The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 192 The Last Day of Jesus' Ministry Today would be the final day of Jesus' public ministry, and it would be a very full day. For three and a half years, he had shown by his teachings, his miracles, and his actions that he was the prophesied Christ. He had remained close to God the Father through prayer, study, fasting, and meditation. He had resisted every temptation to sin. He had diligently and patiently taught his disciples and others around him. Soon he would face the most difficult, agonizing part of his mission, enduring betrayal, torture, and death in order to pay for the sins of all human beings. Only three days remained until Passover. The Jews mistakenly kept the Passover a day later, on the night to be much observed. Jesus used the opportunity to speak to crowds of people who wanted to learn what he taught. As Jesus was speaking, some of the chief priests and elders approached. After they listened for a few minutes, one of the priests boldly spoke up and asked, By what authority do you teach and do these things? It was common for the chief priests and elders to ask hard questions of a man who was teaching from the scriptures in order to challenge him. Jesus could have answered by describing his life with God before he became a human being, or by listing the miracles God had performed through him. But he chose to answer by challenging them with a hard question. I will answer your question if you will answer mine. He said, The work that John the Baptist did, was it the work of God, or was it just the work of a man? This would have been an easy question to answer. John's teachings were from the scriptures. He did a powerful work of teaching ordinary people what the scriptures meant. He taught many people about turning away from sin and turning to God's law. His teaching had prepared the people for Jesus' teaching. The authority that empowered John the Baptist was the same authority that empowered Jesus the Christ. But the Jewish leaders had not been humble enough to listen to John and believe him. If they said that John the Baptist was a servant of God, they had to explain why they didn't believe him. But if they said that John the Baptist was a false teacher, all the people who thought that John was a servant of God would think that they must not be servants of God. The priest answered, We cannot confirm or deny that John was used by God. And neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus said, The chief priests and elders were the highest authorities in the temple. But Jesus was showing that he had more authority than them. He continued, A certain man had two sons. 
He told the first to go to work in his vineyard, and the son refused, but later he repented and went to work in the vineyard. The man told his second son to go to work in his vineyard, and he said he would, but then he did not go. Which of these two sons did the will of his father? The first son, said one of the elders. That is right, Jesus said. He was showing them that obedient actions are more important than obedient words. And I tell you that the publicans and harlots you look down on will go into the kingdom of God before you. Because John the Baptist indeed was a true servant of God. He taught you truth from the scriptures, but you did not believe him. Yet the publicans and harlots believed him. And even after his work was finished, you still did not repent and believe him. The chief priests and elders had challenged Jesus, but now he was challenging them. Hear another parable, he said. A certain man planted a vineyard and worked to hedge it and build a wine press and a tower in it. Then he hired workers to take care of it while he traveled to a distant country. When it was time to harvest, he sent his servants to the workers to collect his fruits. But the workers took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. The man sent more servants, and the workers did the same evil things to them. Finally, he sent them his own son, thinking, At least they will respect my son. But when the workers saw the son, instead of respecting him, they seized him, threw him out of his father's vineyard, and murdered him. When the man returns to his vineyard, what will be done to those workers? The Jewish leaders answered, He will completely destroy those wicked men and let out his vineyard to other workers who will give him the fruits that are rightfully his in their seasons. In this parable, Jesus was giving another analogy. The owner was God the Father, the vineyard was Israel, and the workers were the religious leaders who were supposed to help the people grow in their worship of God. But the religious leaders were too focused on what they could get for themselves to serve God. God the Father had sent prophets to warn the people, but they were ignored, tortured, and often killed. He had even sent his own son to them, but they still refused to repent, and they were planning to kill him. Jesus went on to say that even though the Jews were part of God's chosen nation, those who do not believe and obey God will not be in his kingdom. Only people who believe and obey, whether they are Jews or not, will be in God's kingdom. Jesus spoke with power and authority. His questions and parables were condemning of the Jewish leaders. These men had great authority in the nation over religious matters and other issues. They thought they were using their authority to help people worship God, but they were actually leading them away from Him. They were too proud to admit their sins and listen to John the Baptist or Jesus Christ. Jesus was not done exposing the terrible guidance these Jewish leaders were giving to the people. Later, he told them another parable that compared the kingdom to one of the most joyful, festive, exciting events there is, a wedding feast. The kingdom of God is like a king who planned a marriage for his son. Jesus began. The king invited his relatives, friends, and acquaintances to the wedding. 
When the day arrived, he sent his servants to tell everyone who was invited that the wedding would begin soon. But they would not come. He kindly sent other servants to find everyone who was invited and tell them again that everything was ready, and it is now time for them to come share in the celebration. But the relatives and friends that he had invited made fun of the wedding, or ignored it, and went about their business. Some of them even abused his servants and killed them. When the king heard it, he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Jesus was saying that God had invited his special nation, with whom he had a relationship, the descendants of Abraham, to eventually become part of his kingdom. But they rejected his invitation and lived their own way. They would not even listen to the Son of God, who was right there with them. A few years later, their city would likewise be burned by the Roman army. Jesus continued with the parable. Then the king told his servants that the guests he had invited proved themselves unworthy to attend the wedding. He instructed his servants to find new guests, even if they were just regular people off the street. The servants obeyed, and the wedding was furnished with guests. The story did not end there. When the king came to see the guest, he saw a man who was not wearing the appropriate clothes for a wedding. Jesus continued. The king asked the man if perhaps he had a good reason for wearing everyday clothing to such an important event, but the man had no explanation. So the king ordered his servants to seize the man and bind him, removing him from the wedding, for many are called, but few are chosen. These descendants of Abraham, the nations of Israel and Judah, did not believe and obey God. They wanted to worship him their own way instead of his way. They wanted to keep only those commands that they felt like keeping. So God invited others to enter a special relationship with him. He sent his servants to explain the scriptures, and those others believed and obeyed. But even some of those people treated God's invitation lightly, so God rejected them as well. Jesus was showing that God cares about faith and obedience more than physical heritage. God is kind and loving, but if people do not respond to his invitation, or if they respond but do not strive to put on righteousness, they will not be part of his kingdom. Jesus was speaking openly and powerfully against the Jewish leaders. As he continued to teach crowds in Jerusalem, some of the leaders of the Pharisees met to figure out how they could cause him to say something they could use against him. They sent to Jesus a group of their students, along with some people who were loyal to King Herod. They had a question. Master, we know that you are true and that you teach the way of God, and we know that you do not fear any man. So what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This was an extremely simple yet dangerous question. It was one of the most talked about and most argued about questions people were discussing. The Jews were angry about the Roman Empire's rule over them. Some even believed that submitting to the Romans and all their tolls tributes and customs were not just aggravating, 
but that it was wrong. They believed allowing a Gentile to rule over them was disobeying God's law. If Jesus said anything to support this belief, the Herodians would report to King Herod. Who reported to Caesar? Herod might order Jesus to be arrested and even executed for teaching people not to pay their taxes. However, if Jesus said God's law supports paying taxes to Caesar, many people in the crowd would disagree with him. He would lose support among the people, making it easier to seize him without the crowds getting upset. The people looked at Jesus to hear what he would say. He responded in a simple yet brilliant way. Why are you trying to trick me, you hypocrites? He demanded sharply. Show me the tax money. One of the Pharisee's students took a coin out of his pocket and showed it to Jesus. Whose image and name is engraved on this coin? He asked. Caesar's? The student answered. Then give Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give God the things that are God's. Thousands and thousands of people had been arguing over this issue day after day. But Jesus showed the right answer in just a few clear words. His answer showed that the Jews should respect and obey the government over them, and they should not try to get away with paying less taxes than the law required. That tax money provided them with security, roads, and other benefits. If the government that provides the money system establishes a law that you must pay taxes, then you should obey. You should only refuse to obey man's law if those orders would stop you from obeying God. God does command us to pay money to Him in tithes and offerings. This shows our obedience and our understanding that He is the one who ultimately provides every good thing, including money. Jesus' instruction also showed that in the same way that the coins resembled Caesar and you should give them to Caesar, human beings resemble God and we should give not just our money but ourselves to God. Give Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give God the things that are God's. The people marveled at how Jesus' answer not only nimbly avoided the Pharisees' trap, but also taught them a deeper, righteous, scriptural answer to one of the country's most important, divisive, and dangerous questions. Soon the Sadducees came to Jesus with a question. The Pharisees and others believed that the Scriptures promised God would resurrect people from the dead. But the Sadducees did not believe this. They often argued with the Pharisees over this issue. Now they asked Jesus a hard question. Master, in the Scriptures Moses said that if a man dies and has no children, his brother should marry his widow and have children on behalf of his brother. There were seven brothers with us, and the first one married a wife but died without any children. His brother married her, but he too died. So did the second and third, all the way down to the seventh, and then the woman died. So if there is a resurrection, whose wife will she be? Jesus answered, You don't understand the answer because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. There is a resurrection, but those who are resurrected don't marry in that way. 
they are similar to angels. Jesus knew the scriptures. He knew that God created human beings, male and female, so that they could marry, have children, and learn about the God family. When God's saints are resurrected, however, they will not be physical beings again. They will be spirit beings in God's family. But your main question is whether there is a resurrection from the dead. Jesus continued, Haven't you read where God says to you, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? Those men are dead. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Jesus was saying that because God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that means they will live again. These men will be resurrected, and other people who believe and obey God can be resurrected as well, not as human beings, but as spirit beings in God's family. Once again, the people who heard Christ were shocked. As they spoke to one another in the crowded streets and establishments of Jerusalem, they marveled at how this man from Nazareth, who was neither a priest, nor a scribe, nor a lawyer, nor a Pharisee, nor a Sadducee, was powerfully and truthfully answering the most controversial political and religious questions that people had struggled with for years. Later that same day, Jesus was in the court of the temple when a scribe came up to ask him yet another question. This lawyer from the Pharisees had perceived that Jesus' answers truthfully showed what the scriptures meant. Now he asked Jesus a question of his own. Which is the most important commandment of all? He asked. This was a hard question. How could Jesus say that one of God's laws was more important than another? The Pharisees and Sadducees in the crowd perked up, eager to hear Jesus' answer so they could accuse him. The first commandment of all, Jesus answered, is that you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. These two laws perfectly summarize the Ten Commandments. This was the last question that the Jewish religious leaders challenged Jesus on. He had answered all their questions truthfully and powerfully, questions that they themselves could not answer. These men surely realized they could not discredit Jesus with hard questions. He had answered everything perfectly. If they were to do away with him, they would have to take more serious measures. They would try lying about him in order to convince the Roman government to sentence him to death. But right now, Jesus boldly criticized these leaders. He now asked them difficult questions that they could not answer. They had criticized him for saying that he was the Son of God. Yet he showed them that the scriptures said that the Messiah, a man who descended from King David, would also be a God who existed before King David. 
speaking again to the crowd and his disciples, Jesus told them that the Pharisees and scribes had positions of authority like Moses had in ancient Israel. He said that the people should observe and do what these authorities instructed, but they should not follow their examples because they were hypocritical. They did not do the things they told people to do. He also told them not to make a show of their religion or to use titles like master or father to refer to religious teachers. Jesus now directly and powerfully criticized the religious leaders right here in Jerusalem, the city that they controlled. He showed the people that these leaders were just like the leaders of the past who criticized, persecuted, and killed God's prophets. And now they were about to persecute and kill Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. But Jesus did have some words of encouragement for the people. Later, as he sat by the treasury, he saw the long lines of people paying tithes and giving donations to the religious leaders for the temple and other uses. The clinking of coins in wooden receptacles went on and on. It was quite a thing to see and hear so much money. But what caught Jesus' attention was something everyone else overlooked. He noticed a poor widow who gave only two coins that were worth very little. Jesus called his disciples over to him and gestured toward the widow. He wanted them to see what God sees. This poor widow has given more than everyone who has put money into the treasury. He said. These others gave money that they could spare, but she gave money she couldn't spare. This woman, who most people overlooked, stood out as a shining and beloved example of faith to Jesus and to God the Father. This was the last recorded occurrence of Jesus' public ministry. to be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.